Greetings to you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the Sunday School podcast for the 17th Sunday after Pentecost, September 24th, 2023. And today we're looking at Sunday School story number three out of 120 Bible stories. And this is a story of the children of Adam and Eve, often called the story of Cain and Abel. So we'll be looking at Genesis chapter 4 today, seeing what the story is and seeing how this story points to Christ. So chapter 4 of Genesis verse 1 says, Now Adam knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. So now we have to Adam and Eve, two sons are born of note. And when Cain is born, it sounds like they make a pretty big deal about it. When Cain is born, Eve says, I've gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And the word for Cain sounds an awful lot like the Hebrew word for gotten. Now, when Martin Luther translated this verse from the Hebrew into his German Bible, he translated it a little bit differently. And, uh, and the Hebrew completely permits it to, to be so. He has Eve saying when Cain is born, I have gotten a man, the Lord. And Luther suggests that Eve believes that God has kept his Genesis 3.15 promise already. Remember, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, God declared to Satan that the seed of the woman would crush his head that the the male child born of the woman would destroy Satan's power. So, Eve has a a male child. His name is Cain. And Eve is excited. I have gotten a man, the Lord. When Abel is born, there doesn't seem like such such a big deal about it. It just says she bore his brother Abel. And the name Abel means, um, it's very similar to the Hebrew word for vapor or, or breath. Has a sense of emptiness and, or vanity. So it's, it's as if um, Eve says, with Cain, I've got the Messiah. And so Abel then is sort of, sort of the afterthought child. Not really necessary because he's not the Messiah, according to Eve. Of course, Eve is wrong. Cain is not the Messiah, as we'll soon find out. So verse 2, again, she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. All right, so Abel grows up to be a keeper of sheep, a shepherd, 
And Cain is a worker of the ground. He's, he's a farmer. And it's kind of fascinating, this early on in Scripture, long before God commands offering and sacrifices in, in Exodus and, and, um, and the early books of the Bible, here are Abel and Cain making offerings to God. Cain offers um, some of the fruit of the ground, say the grains he has harvested. Abel brings the firstborn of his flock. And we, we read here that, that the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but he had no regard for Cain and his offering. Some have suggested it's because Abel offered a sheep rather than grain or vegetables. But that's not right because the Lord at the temple commands the sacrifice of both sheep and offerings of grain too. So it's, it's not... Um, it's not the content of the sacrifice. We do have a hint of what's going on in, in, in sorry, Genesis 4, that uh, while Cain simply offered some of the fruit of the ground, Abel offered the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. So Cain is giving an offering. Abel is giving an offering of the best stuff of his flock. And really, the reason why the Lord accepts and regards Abel's offering, but not Cain's, we have the reason why in, in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 4, which says, By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. So, why did the Lord have regard for Abel's offering? Because, because Abel offered it by faith. And because he was offering it by faith, he offered the best that he had. Um, we conclude then that Cain did not make his offering by faith. And because he didn't do it trusting in the Lord and his promises, he was an unbeliever and the Lord had no regard for his offering. So we read at the end of verse 5, Cain was very angry and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Now, some might argue that here God is saying that Cain will be saved by works. If you do well, you'll be accepted. If you don't do well, sin is crouching at the door. Um, the short version of this is that to do well is to do what Abel has done. Trust in God's promises and then live in that faith. This is not a... Uh, a, a declaration of salvation by works. Rather, the Lord bids Cain to trust in his promises rather than try to earn his way to heaven with, with an offering of grain. All right, so, so the Lord warns Cain to, to repent. He warns that sin is crouching at the door and it wants to rule over him. And we find out that Cain... Let's that happen. 
In verse 8, Cain spoke to Abel, his brother. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. So the first recorded sin after the fall into sin is not some little thing. The first recorded sin after the fall is murder, the fratricide, the taking of a brother's life. And the first one to die because of sin is a shepherd. So Cain kills Abel, and we read in verse 9, Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Now, growing up, I, I kind of saw this as happening kind of one thing after another. Cain kills his brother as soon as he's got the body hidden. A voice from heaven declares, Where is Abel, your brother? And this conversation takes place. Um, I think Luther's take on this is fascinating. And I think he's probably right that some time goes by. Cain lures Abel into the field. And that night, Cain comes home to dinner and Abel doesn't. And it's not the Lord calling out from heaven down to Cain, where is your brother? Instead, says Luther, God is speaking to Cain as he pleases to do through their father, through Pastor Adam. And so the Lord says to Cain through Adam, Adam speaks and says, where is Abel your brother? And, and Cain says, I do not know him. I, am I my brother's keeper? And, and, and so it's, it's Father Adam voicing the Lord's word, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. So time has gone by, Abel is missing, and Adam, Adam knows that Abel is dead. Um, as for the Lord reveals this through Adam to Cain. The consequence for Cain's sin is that he is cursed from the ground because the ground has received Abel's relatively innocent blood. And so the Lord says, when you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. So if you remember, part of the curse of sin for Adam was that thorns and thistles would make farming much more difficult. And now the Lord says to Cain, the farmer, his father's son, now it's going to be even more difficult to you. The ground will not yield, you, yield to you its strength. As you farm, the harvest will be meager at best. And so instead of having a farm to call your own and a home to call your own, you shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord in verse 13, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me today away from the ground, and from your face I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. 
so Cain has, I guess, terror at the punishment. He's horrified at the consequence for his sin. But what he is not is repentant. He doesn't confess that he's done wrong. He's just pointing out all the problems that he will now have because he is a murderer who shed innocent blood. So this is, um, this is among other things, a proof that uh, original sin is a thing. Um, as Adam and Eve denied wrongdoing when they first fell into sin, here Cain, having killed his brother, still will not confess that he has done wrong. Nevertheless, the Lord has mercy on Cain the murderer. In verse 15, the Lord said to him, Not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who found him should attack him. Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. So, despite Cain's crime and sin, and despite his lack of repentance, the Lord is still merciful, and he marks him as one protected. Now, we have no idea what the mark of Cain was. Some have said change in skin color, absolutely no proof of that whatsoever. Just somehow, the Lord put a mark on Cain so that anybody who attacked him would know that they were messing with one protected by the Lord. And then Cain departs because part of the curse is that he will be a wanderer and a fugitive. It says he departs from the presence of the Lord, which is um, not just a statement that he is leaving Eden behind, but that he is, at least for now, leaving God behind. And so he settles in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Now, the next part doesn't get covered in the, uh, in the 120 Bible stories, but we have a few verses here about what happens next with Cain. Um, Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Enoch. When he built a city, he called the name of the city after the name of his son, Enoch. To Enoch was born Irod, and Irod fathered Mahujael, and Mahujael fathered Methushael, Methushael fathered Lamech. And Lamech took two wives. The name of the one was Ada, and the name of the other, Zillah. Ada bore Jabel. He was the father of those who dwell in tents and have livestock. His brother's name was Jubal, and he was the father of all those who played the lyre and pipe. Zillah also bore Tubal Cain. He was the forger of all instruments of bronze and iron. The sister of Tubal Cain was Naama. So here we have um, Cain's family, his descendants multiplying. And sometimes the question pops up, so where did Cain get a wife? And, and the answer is that uh, in the very beginning, as Adam and Eve have children, they have sons and, and they, have, they have daughters. Only Cain and Abel are mentioned there at the beginning because they're the main characters of the story. But Cain will take one of, his, uh, one of his sisters to be his wife. 
and today with, uh, with laws about incest and degrees of consanguinity, it sounds kind of, um, kind of repulsive to our ears, but uh, the Lord only puts those laws in place in Leviticus. As the human race starts out, who else are you going to marry but, uh, but others in the same household? So anyways, Cain, uh, Cain has, has, uh, has kids, and they have kids. And so Lamech, who is Cain's great-grandson, has a proclamation to make. We read in verse 23, Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, hear my voice. You wives of Lamech, listen to what I say. I have killed a man for wounding me a young man for striking me. If Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then Lamech's is seventy-sevenfold. So this is one of those places in the Bible where it's like, could we get more of the story? Who did Lamech kill and why? Why is he telling his wives this? Was the young man hassling or assaulting them? At any rate, just in case someone wants to say people are basically good and Cain was kind of the bad apple in the barrel, we have this little story in, uh, in Genesis 4 to say, nope, people are just getting worse. Where Cain killed, his great-grandson Lamech kills, and Lamech declares, he vows that if Cain's revenge is sevenfold, his will be seventy-sevenfold. He will cause more damage and do more violence and is quite happy to make that known. Then we get back to Adam and Eve with the last two verses of Genesis chapter 4. Verse 25 says, And Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and called his name Seth, for she said, God has appointed for me another offspring instead of Abel, for Cain killed him. To Seth also was a son born, and he called his name Enosh. At that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. So um, Luther posits that after Cain kills Abel, Adam and Eve stop having kids for a while. If you have kids, they're only going to murder each other. It's not a real encouragement to have more kids. But eventually, Adam winks at Eve and Seth is born. And she declares, God has appointed for me another offspring instead of Abel, for Cain killed him. And now she's a lot more on track than she was when she thought Cain was the Messiah. Because Seth is another one appointed by God to be Eve's child. And it is through Seth's line, through his lineage, that Jesus will eventually be born. By the way... A quick note, um, if you read a little bit more into Genesis chapter 5, we find out, um, we have kind of a replay of Seth's birth, 
And it says in chapter 5, verse 3, when Adam had lived 130 years, he fathered a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. And this is a verse to keep in mind to say, look, God created Adam and Eve in his image, reflecting his righteousness, but that image of God was lost when we fell into sin. How do we know this? Because when Seth was born, he was born after Adam's image, after his likeness, not after God's image. You'll run into Christians who say that just by being human, we are in the image of God, or because we have the gift of reason, we are in the image of God. But as long as we are unrighteous, we are not in the image of God. So how do we... uh, How do we regain the image of God? Holy baptism. The Son of God, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, takes away our sins and clothes us in His righteousness. And if we are clothed in Christ, then we bear the image of God once more. All right, so that's Genesis chapter 4 and a little bit of Genesis chapter 5. But the main part of the story is Cain and Abel and the first death because of sin. So how does this story point to Christ? Well, we kind of said this already. But the first human being to die because of sin is a shepherd. And a shepherd who's been named Vapor. In other words, he's, he's kind of an afterthought by his own family. We've got Cain, and we've got Abel too. Now, Abel is a type of Christ. Christ is the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. He is the shepherd of innocent blood who is put to death by sinners for being the innocent son of God. And remember, Jesus, too, is kind of a, um, the shepherd is the black sheep of the family for a long time. His mother and brothers come to take him away during his ministry because they believe that he's crazy. So Abel is kind of the the family afterthought um, and the shepherd who dies because of sin. Jesus is kind of the, um, the outcast of his own family for a while. And he is a shepherd who is put to death because of sin. We have another type of Christ in Abel, um, as the Lord declares that uh, his blood cries out from the ground. And it's summed up in that one line from that lent him glory be to Jesus. And the verse says, Abel's blood for vengeance pleaded to the skies, but the blood of Jesus for our pardon cries. Right, so Abel's blood cries out. Um, from the ground, and so the Lord holds Cain responsible, hearing that cry. Um, Jesus' blood cries out for forgiveness, and so God the Father forgives us for our sins. It's astonishing that God is merciful to Cain after he murders his brother, but remember why God is merciful to Cain or to anybody It's because generations after Cain, 
couple millennia, many millennia after Cain, Jesus will die for Cain's sins. Whether or not Cain repents and trusts in God's promises, we don't know. But God is merciful to Cain so that he might live and have a chance to repent and believe because Jesus will come and die for his sins. We also have a, a historical pointer to Jesus that Seth is born. He is the ancestor of Jesus in, in the family tree, the son of Adam. And we have that note at the very end of Genesis 4 that at the time Seth is born, people begin to call upon the name of the Lord. Now there's, um, there's debate about what exactly that means. But the simplest explanation is, uh, is probably something like this. After the fall into sin, and after Adam and Eve and their children as they're born and grew up see what sin is doing, and after Cain murders Abel and sheds his blood... It's no great surprise if a lot of those human beings are disenchanted and despairing and fall away from God for a while. But then Seth is born. And at the time that that child is born, people begin to call upon the name of the Lord once again. So, is Seth's birth a type of Christ? Seth is born. People return to the Lord. Christ is born. And so we can return to the Lord because he is our Savior. It could very well be. Hey, a few other verses about Abel from the New Testament, before we wrap this up, I had the one already from Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4, that talks about how Abel offered his sacrifice by faith. And now that we've been through the story, I'll read the last part of the verse again. Through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. Abel's brief life, his faith that led him to offer a good offering before God, that remains a testimony to us today, however brief that story is. In Matthew 23, verse 35, and Luke eleven fifty one, Jesus himself declares Abel to be a righteous prophet. We have no record of Abel saying anything, but Jesus says that he wasn't just a faithful shepherd, but he was a righteous prophet who spoke his, the Lord's word. In 1 John chapter 3, St. John the Apostle writes, We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. St. John is writing to, uh, to his hearers about the importance of love, Christ's love for us and our love for, for one another. And so he sets up Cain as the antithesis of love. Being evil, 
he killed his righteous brother, just as evil mankind put righteous Jesus to death. With that then, um, just a couple of, of notes, catechetical connections, if you will. Certainly some, some of the Ten Commandments are in play here. Um, Abel sought to honor God with his offerings. Um, and so he was, he was trying to keep commandments one through three. Uh, Cain at the same time rejected those commandments, let sin rule him. And that led him to break the fifth commandment and murder his brother and also then dishonor his parents. So Cain broke the fourth commandment. Those are pretty obvious um, examples of violations of the commandments in this story. Um, you could tie the creed into the story too, because Abel is a type of Christ who um, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried to pay the price for our sins. Maybe the best tie into the small catechism with this lesson is that um, is that because Abel's blood is shed, Cain departs from the presence of the Lord. But because Jesus' blood is shed, he, he welcomes us into God's presence. And in fact, he invites us into his presence because he visits us in his word and in his supper where he gives us his body and blood. And because he forgives our sins and gives us faith and life and salvation... Then as a people of Seth's time called upon the name of the Lord, so do we, and the Lord hears, and the Lord delights to answer. All right, that's a quick look at the story of Abel and Cain, the children of Adam and Eve. The Lord bless your meditations upon this text. The Lord grant you every good gift of your teaching this to others. Until we speak again, the peace of the Lord be with you. Amen.